A few more notes before we get into the show. Would really appreciate a rate and review five stars. Even if you don't want to write a review, you know, you don't want to hit type words, that's fine. Scroll down, just hit five stars while you're listening to this podcast. Goes a long way in helping me keep it free. Additionally, drafters.com. You will hear me mention drafters.com a bunch. I'm beginning to love this platform. I've been doing a ton of NFL best balls and a ton of PGA contests on their app. It's very smooth. Love it. Reminds me of a former app that was bought out and no longer exists that I really used to love. But anyway, if you want to play in these PGA tier contests or this NFL best ball championship that they have going on over there, the best way to do it to start out is to use the promo code PAT at deposit and you will get 50% added to your first initial deposit. So if you deposit $100, they're going to give you 100 and 50 to play with. Can't beat that. All right, now let's get into the show. You are listening to The Riding NFL DFS Podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to the PGA Championship Week. I couldn't be more excited for the first major of the year, if you did not check out my TPC Harding Park breakdown on the Early Look, Early Thoughts podcast from Friday or Saturday, I do go into it a little bit more there. I'm going to be fairly concise in this podcast because I have a lot to talk about. And, you know, one of the main missions of this podcast is to keep everything concise. I don't want to make you listen to take up two, two hours of your life just to get a few picks across. Um, so I will try to be concise. What I'm actually even going to do, you might hear the podcast sound like it's stopping and starting a little bit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back after. It's early on Tuesday, so throughout the morning Tuesday, I'm going to go back and edit this podcast and kind of cut out some of the, the noise and, and some of the things that I'm saying that you know I, I might feel like that I'm just rambling on um, in order to to cut it down. Most of the time, I'll just record and not really edit it from a cut and paste standpoint, uh, but like I'm doing now, rambling, uh, I will cut that out just to make the podcast a little bit shorter. All right, so what I want to first do is talk about my outright bets, which, and the strategy around betting the PGA Championship, which is a little bit different than than other tournaments, and here's why. So I was tweeting out all weekend, hopefully you were following along, maybe tailing, that there were a lot of good numbers out there um, because, you know, the odds makers, DraftKings depends on pretty much offshore books, uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, which are the two main sites that I play on because they are the ones that are legal now in Pennsylvania. And I do have accounts on um, like Sugar House and Bet Rivers and things like that. But those are the two main ones. But they do depend on um, offshore books. And basically, you know, they did not update the odds a ton leading up to the tournament. So as of, you know, two weeks ago, last week, I was honing in on the PGA Championship and got some good numbers, tweeted them out when I got them uh, to make sure everybody was aware. So here's how the strategy is is different this week. Normally what I do is I set a dollar amount that I want to win from uh, an outright. Let's just say it's $2,000. 
So when I build a card, I have a bankroll that I need to stay within, right? I'm not going to bet all the 10 to 1s and all the 15 to 1s because then I'm betting $200, $150 a guy, and then I'm just way over my bankroll. So, you know, for a regular card where I have maybe a guy or two in the 20s, a guy in the 50s, and a guy maybe in the 70s, you know, I need to bet $100 on the 20 to 1 shot. I need to bet $40 on the 50 to 1 shot. I need to bet around $25, $27 on the 75 to 1 shot to hit that $2,000 outright winner, right? Now, by getting really good numbers on guys up, you know, for the last week, I have that $2,000 outright ticket. And I also didn't have to wager as much. So there's more bankroll on the table for me to use. Now, whether that's adding guys or going heavier on top 10s, top 20s, or I could have potentially bet more on these really good numbers and raised my outright uh, desired winner to 3,000 or 4,000 or something like that. But I stayed at 2,000, so I have money to play with that I'll probably, you know, throw some more uh, outrights on. But let's take a look at my outright card. So first up is Daniel Berger. Played unbelievable last week, even though we faded him, and he didn't play well on day one. I thought that fade was going to work out really well. Um, So, you know, he had a great weekend at Southwind. He was top seven in ball striking, which is off the tee and approach combined on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, He's seventh in my preliminary stat model. And then when I tweak some things, he actually moved up to fourth. So now I'm already, uh, you know, he's on the radar. And I tweeted all this out on Saturday or Sunday, Sunday, uh, when he was still 71. He's not 70 to one anymore, but I think I would still take him at whatever he's at, you know, 40 to one, 35 to one. Um, he pops on par 70s of Harding Park's length, which is if you sort it on Fantasy National by 7,200 to 7,400, and then sorted by par 70s. He's right at the top there. You know, obviously the form is good, and 70 to 1 is just absolutely insane, right? So instead of having to bet, I I had, I could, I cut my bet in half, my bet amount in half, because he is, he was 70 to 1 when I took him, instead of, you know, waiting and getting him at 35 to 1, opens up a ton of bankroll for me to, you know, potentially have seven or eight guys on the card this week instead of five or six. And I mean, if you just look across the board at Berger, I mean, he's eighth in approach. He is 12th in fairways gained, which is huge, going to be huge here at Harding Park. Um, Like I said, I'm not going to do another breakdown. If you would like the breakdown of the course, go back to that podcast I did on Friday. Um, But fact of the matter is, it's a long par 70. The fairways are pinched. The rough is penal. There's going to be some wind and some weather. So that's the things, those are the things that we're looking at. Um, he is really good around the green too. So if he misses, uh, on approach, he should be able to get up and down and he is, you know, just in really good form. So I think Berger 70 to one, lock it in. Next guy is Abraham answer tweeted this out as well. You know, he's top 25 in the world golf rankings currently, and he's kind of going under the radar, got him at 65 to one, uh, I just think that answer at 65 to 1, that's just not a great number because he has been playing absolutely lights out. Eighth in fairways gained. Now, fairways gained just means 
you know, they, he hit more fairways on the field um, than average. So fairways gained. He's top 10 in both long-term and since the restart. He's up there in approach. He's gaining strokes off the tee. Like, there's literally no red flags across the board. Maybe a little bit around the green, like he's middle of the pack. But, like, there isn't anything that really jumps off the page that says it's a huge negative for answer. Now, I know, listen, Abraham answer. He, I mean, he's been good. He's had, like, four top 15s since the restart. Is he PGA Championship caliber? Um, I don't know. But I think that he's playing well enough to win 100%. And at 65 to 1, I'll get in on that number all day long. The other thing is, the more outs that you have, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to end up spending the same amount of bankroll and have 8 outs instead of, you know, 5 or 6, which is huge because, you know, then there's hedge opportunities as well. Um, if it comes down to, to Sunday and I have one of these guys at the top. All right, the next guy is Xander. Listen, Xander looked like he had a bad week last week. He bogeyed two holes. He was under par on two holes. He had one bogey, and then he took a quad on the second hole of the entire tournament on number two on Thursday. That kind of put him way back, but he dug himself out for another great finish, um, and he played really well. Here's what I like about Xander. His off-the-tee game, both in fairways gained and distance, is big. 14th in driving distance, he, he pounds the ball, but he also does hit the ball straight. He's 33rd in fairways gained. So what happens is if you sort by driving distance, usually what happens is the fairways gained goes down, right? There, there isn't many guys who are up there in distance and fairways gained, and that makes sense, right? The longer you hit it, the more aggressive you are off the tee, most likely you know, the more shots that are going to at least trickle into the rough. And then the opposite, if you sort by fairways gained, most of those guys are guys that don't hit the ball far, right? You get Brendan Todd, you get Jim Furyk, but Xander's up there in both. Um, not, not high up there, but he is good at, you know, hitting the ball far and hitting it fairly straight. He's 21st in approach long term, and he's another guy that just doesn't have many red flags. He is 7th off the tee, um, 18th in ball striking. So, and at 20 to 1, I, I really wish the number was worse on him. I, we probably could have got it if I, if I hopped on it um, earlier. But Xander, so, so far we have Berger, Answer, and Xander. I mentioned Vic um, you know, in a couple previous podcasts that I got him at 65 to 1, I don't love the number now, uh, which is, it's in like the 40s at this point for Vic. Um, it was down to like 28, I saw, when he was really crushing it the last couple weeks. But we got it at 65 to 1 a few weeks ago. He had a terrible uh, St. Jude and just did not look great, especially around the green. So... um you know, I probably wouldn't bet Vic if I was going to bet him today. Take that for what it's worth. Um, you know, at 30 or 40, I think I'd have a, a tough time pulling the trigger. But, you know, since we got him at 65 before uh, St. Jude concluded, I'll take it. But, I mean, his stats still look great, right? He's still third in approach, fourth off the tee, third in opportunities gained. 
you know, first in ball striking since the restart. Um, the only thing is, and he, he pounds the driver too. Um, so, I mean, the only thing is maybe experience. This is the first time he'll play a par 70 of this length, which, you know, as far as PGA Tour um, tournaments go. So we'll see about Xander, or about, excuse me, about Hovland. But I have that ticket, holding that ticket anyway. Then Justin Rose. Um, so here's the thing with Justin Rose. His, his stats really don't, you know, make you salivate. Um, literally the only thing he is in top 10 is putting uh, on bent grass, which, I mean, I guess is good if he's going to be a good bent grass putter this week, that'll help. Um, but he is, you know, he's he, he, he hits the ball. He's up there. He's, you know, uh, above average in driving distance, above average in fairways gain, but not um, anything to write home about. Um, he's up there in opportunities gained, and then he's pretty much average across the board. His, his recent around the green game hasn't been great. Here's what here's the thing about Justin Rose though, he is an elite player, and you know he's a class player, and he was eighty five to one. I think he's still like seventy to one, um, which is you know still a number that I'm I'm all about. Now he had when the restart came back, he had two top fifteens, and then he's missed the cut since. So something happened. Hopefully, the time off, he's rebooted and he's ready to go at Harding Park. Um, for 85 to one, you know, that's a very small bet that I have to make to hit my outright, my desired outright number. So I'll make it. Um, and that's the good thing about like if Justin Rose was, you know, what is Justin Rose normally in in, depending on the field, 20 to 30 to one, uh, maybe even higher if he's playing well, not betting him there. 85 to one, Justin Rose, I'm taking this, I'm taking a stab at him. Now the young man that rates out first in the model I created Colin Morikawa. So Morikawa is, uh, he's played this, he, he's, a, he's a local kid for the most part, so um, familiar with the course, coming off a win a few weeks ago, um, but like listen to these stats since the restart. Second in opportunities gained, meaning he's stuffing the ball close on approach, which is why he's ranked fifth in approach, he's gaining Strokes off the tees, ranked 13th. Fairways gained, that important stat, right, where he won't be in the rough, hopefully. Fifth and ninth in fairways gained. Um, second in approach, long term. Second in ball striking. Uh, he just literally checks nearly every box. Um, if anything defeats him this week, I think if he misses greens, he might have a little bit trouble around the green, you know, in the rough. But... Man, as soon as I saw Morikawa at first in this model, I had to pull the trigger, and that he is currently at 35 to 1, which is where I got him. And then the last one is Adam Scott. This one's this one's tough for me to to swallow, to be honest. Um I mentioned in a previous podcast, you know, the layoff is something that you know, usually scares me a little bit, um, but Scott is one of the best around the green players. He is, you know, amazing with the long irons. Um, his approach long term is eighth. His drive, he smacks the ball off the tee. Um, definitely will gain strokes off the tee this week. 
and he rates out 19th in my model, and we got him at 75 to 1. So, you know, the theme of my outrights currently, so that's, you know, Berger, Scott, Answer, Vic, and Rose. Not necessarily that I absolutely love them this week, right? I do love Berger this week, and I do think Answer has a great shot this week. Um, Scott, Vic, Rose, eh, you know, I could take them or leave them. However, the value is just too good. 75 to 1 Adam Scott, 85 to 1 Justin Rose. Like, you have to be out of your mind not to think that there's value there because these guys are normally, you know, 30 to 1 or better. Um, I realize Scott hasn't played and Rose hasn't played well, but I'll take those numbers all day. And as I keep mentioning, as I keep harping on, that sounds like a lot of guys, right? That's seven guys. I am nowhere near my bankroll for the week uh, in betting outrights because they're all guys that are 65 to 1 or worse for the most part outside of Morikawa and Xander. Um, So it's really like I only have three or four outrights right now based on the numbers I was getting on Berger, Rose, Vic, Answer, and Scott. So I'm probably going to add one more. I'm probably going to go into this tournament with eight outrights, having bet the same amount I normally bet every week, but still having the same chance to hit my desired outright number. Um, Okay, let's take a look at top 10s, 20s, and first-round leaders. You know that I always say that those same players are in the same bucket for me. You know, guys that I think are going to be leading after day one are also guys that I like to finish in the top 10 or top 20. So Ches Reevy, you know, I've been on him all week. This is one that I tweeted out. He's 125 to 1 to win the whole thing. I'm probably not going to have that, but I will have him the top 10, top 20, and be first-round leader. I also really like Henrik Stenson. He plays par 70s, difficult par 70s, really well. Um, I think he can pop on day one or someday and get him self into that top 10, top 20 range. So I'll also have um, all three on him. Keegan Bradley, um, you know, usually makes you cringe. But if you filter by par 70, uh, difficult to hit fairways, he has over time been fourth in strokes gained total and fifth in strokes gained off the tee on difficult to hit fairways on long par 70s. So I think, in, I mean, the number's great. I mean, depending on where you find him, it's in the hundreds um, to be the first round leader. And then the top 10s and 20s are pretty good as well. So I like Keegan Bradley. Then I'm going to go back to two guys that we've been on a lot that have um, you know paid off for us um, since the restart. First round leader a few weeks ago that we hit, Doc Redmond. His stats just pop across the board. He's a guy, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to go into every detail about all of these top 10, 20 first round leader guys, but, you know, Redmond's a guy that um, has really been striking his irons well. He gains strokes off the tee. He's in pretty good form. I don't think he is going to contend, um, which is why I would never bet him outright. Uh, but, or you know, even top 10 for Redmond's probably a stretch. But for him to be at the top of the leaderboard day one, you know, one good round um, 
is all any of these guys really need to sneak into that top 20. Um, and if it's on day one, then it's then they have a shot at the first round leader. Because I think, you know, this tournament is not going to be uh, a minus 20 PGA championship. It's going to be a little bit more difficult than that. Um, judging by a lot of the people that are on the course, they're saying very difficult. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the winning score in the single digits. And Redmond definitely has the ability to have a four under, five under round. So one round like that, and then you tread water the rest of the week, you could see yourself come top 20, um, potentially be the first round leader. So I like Redmond. Ryan Palmer. If you sort by difficult to hit fairways on long par, 70s off the tee is pretty much top 10, which... Um, is something that I'm putting a ton of weight on. He's in really good form. He's been at the top of a, of a few leaderboards since the restart. Um, his ball striking in general has been very good. Um, the only thing that might get him in trouble is his putting, but you know that's something that I try to not even uh, for one round for a first-round leader or for a top 10, top 20, not really even weight too much. So Ryan Palmer is also a guy that we are interested in. And I'll be honest, my man, Harold Varner, popped in the model that I created, and I was not surprised because he's usually statistically very good. However, um, at this course in particular, where they're going to need to hit fairways, he's he's pretty good. You know, he's up there. He's top third in fairways gained, um, and he does hit the ball a decent way. Um, so he's been bad last two events and that was Muirfield right he the workday and the memorial he lost a bunch of strokes but before that um came 30th at Rocket Mortgage 32nd at Travelers 19th at Charles Schwab um I don't have a ton of faith in this pick but I I would kick myself if I didn't have a guy who came top 15 in my model at least as a first round leader um, who is known to, you know, shoot up that leaderboard on day one. His round one scores have been really good. So he is another guy that I will be taking a look at um, for first round leader. Let's see who else. Um, we mentioned Chez, Keegan, Ryan Palmer, Varner, Redman. Oh, Henrik Stenson. I mean, he looked really good last week, I thought. Um he hit the ball well. He's he's a guy that uh, does well on par 70s uh, as well and is dynamite with the long irons. And his number's up there. I mean, Henrik Stenson is one of, you know, just a few years ago, he was one of the best players in the world. May still be. He just hasn't really played since the restart much last week. Maybe knock some rust off, can get back at it this week and potentially get a top 10 top 20 first round leader I know I already mentioned him but I just wanted to talk about his stats for a minute uh let's see who else we got oh um Joaquin Neiman I'm just a Joaquin Neiman truther um I'll always have him to top 20 and first round leader when his number is right and it is this week um and he works he look he stats out well too uh Lucas Glover again the driver, man. Lucas Glover can gain a ton of strokes basically until he gets to the green. So hopefully he has a good round or two putting and he can sneak into the top 10, top 20 for us. Again, this week, um, scattering uh, small bets on a lot of guys instead of going hard after 
guys with lower odds, and that's really the MO of first-round leader. Just take a bunch of pot shots on 8 to 10 guys, and hopefully maybe one hits or you have a hedge-out opportunity, something like that. Uh, when it comes down to it. But my bankroll is always going to be a little bit bigger for majors. It's just more fun. Um, You get to watch more of it. And the last guy, and this is like, you know, a $5 bet. Uh, 200 to 1 to be the first round leader, Jimmy Walker. When I was, you know, when I did the flyover of TPC Harding Park, I looked at the, the course, I looked at the stats. I kind of... It reminded me of Baltersall, um, which was the PGA Championship site in 2016. And Jimmy Walker played really well at Baltersall, won the damn thing. So I'll take a shot in the dark that he has uh, a good first round. That is, like, not expected. Um, But you never know. Um, Something that, uh, you know, just one of those things that you have a gut feeling about. Maybe he hits first round leader maybe he shoots plus 10 wouldn't be surprised either way all right that will do it for this episode of the ride in nfl dfs podcast i'm going to do the DraftKings show separately because uh you know the thing is i'm not going to always do this but i feel like i went a little long here on the betting portion and i know a lot of people don't even have access to bets so to a sports book. So um, I'm also going to do a quick DraftKings and kind of separate them um, this week, maybe going forward. I don't know. Uh, But they'll probably be up one right after the other. Uh, But just so that, um, you know, people don't have to fast forward through 25 minutes of me rambling about outrights and first round leaders when they don't have the ability to even bet them. All right. So good luck with all your wagers this week. Uh, And if you are also playing DraftKings, tune into that show, which should be up uh, pretty soon as well. You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James.